Welcome to Strength in the Numbers. My name is Wei Chen Yong, a global finance leader that champions environmental sustainability and gender equality. It is my ambition to bring business and social movement leaders to the show, deconstruct with them their stories, lessons learned, into practical advice for us to remain relevant in accounting and finance while making a positive impact to the society. With that, let's go over to the show. Everyone, welcome to the show. We're very happy to have Cecile Francais joining us today. Cecile is the FPNA leader for Cartier China. Now, as the head of the FPNA, she is responsible for the business performance management processes to support decision making and business planning. She's also instrumental in company-wide strategic projects, providing insights, analysis, and perspective on financial-related issues. Cecile comes with a very strong finance background, having developed those specialized financial and analytical skills in the automotive as well as the luxury goods industry. Her international experience and exposures are gained through living and working in North America, Europe, and now in China. So we're very excited to have Cecile joining us today. Welcome to the show, Cecile. Hi, Weijian. Thank you very much. I am so pleased to be on the show with you today, and so honored to be participating、uh, with you. Yes, and happy to have you as well. Now, as a start, let's get to know more about your story. How did you end up in China? Of course, before China, where did you start your career, and how do you get to where you are now? Okay, sure. I think what is very interesting when I was reflecting about my whole journey. Is to see it as a journey or as a flow because I would have never imagined I would be here now today in China when I started my career. So when I first started, my first internship was in consulting industry because it was like very common for young people not knowing exactly what to do to start in that field, so that you would develop your own understanding of the business and you would then have more ideas of what you want to specify in. I started my first internship and then I realized. Wait a minute. How come I can be a consultant when I don't know anything about the business? I don't know anything about how the company goes. I have no experience. So how can I be consultant? And so I said, okay, well, my next internship, I need to go on the field. So then I said, okay, then I will go into controlling on projects, and that's where I started my second internship as a controller. On the project on Dominican Republic on the construction of the metro line, so here it was very concrete on the field. Your boss was the designer and the managing director of the implementation for the metro station, and I was with him on the field. I remember going to the metro stations, measuring and counting how many cameras we had installed there. So doing my controlling work on the field. And then when I came back, finished school, that I started as a controller because I really thought it was a way I could really help and bring insights to the business.、And、the opportunity was given to me to start in the automotive industry, and as a controller, it is known to be the best practice to start with because automotive industry has very low margin, so you need to be very detailed. You need to be very careful about what you're doing and understand very precisely all the business around and all the interaction that you have with commercial teams, purchasing teams, and of course manufacturing. And I was quite happy there. I studied in Mexico, and was given the opportunity to travel to the U.S. and be in charge of those two manufacturers' plants for two years. 
And another part of the journey continued when I was asked if I wanted to go to China. So again, it was just about following my intuition, my guts and say, okay, why not? Let's go to China. And that's how I ended up for the first time in China for the automotive industry, taking care of several industrial zones in China. So took me to the north of China, west and central areas. Great discovery, meeting great people and helping business be more relevant. So every time I met a choice in my career, it was really linked to the feeling I had where I could be more helpful, provide more insights to the business and where I could also satisfy my curiosity about new places in the world and keeping an open mind on everything that's going around me. So after that opportunity in China, then again, changing my career came through an opportunity that was raised to me saying, okay, why about working in luxury in Switzerland? And I said, oh, well, that's interesting. So after being based in Shanghai, Switzerland seems like a very extreme move. But again, it was the intuition I had that it was the right moment to go back to to Europe and for personal reasons as well. And then I chose this opportunity. So I think everything is in my journey and my career here is about keeping an eye open to the opportunities that's come around and be brave enough to seize them when they come because they come once and that's the right thing for you. So just be bold enough to look at them and take them. And after a few years in Switzerland, I finally again was asked, okay, you've been working in China before. Would you like to go back to China and to be working as the head of controlling, head of FPNA for Cartier in Shanghai? So I said, yeah, of course, that sounds good again. Let's go. Let's go. Again, following my guts and my intuition. And that's why I'm here now. What a fascinating story. I think the common theme that really comes through from your career and the progression, as much as you're saying that is by intuition, but I think just the fact that the curiosity, the courage that you have demonstrated, and the other thing, very important as a good FPNA leader, is that business partnering mindset. And you have that since day one, even as an intern. You always wanted to help business, always thinking about, how can you provide more insights to help business make better decisions? So I guess that combination is interesting because it comes down to a, a bit of who you are as a person, but also some of these quality attributes that you continue to develop as you progress in your careers, first from controlling and then a natural transition into FPNA. And it's interesting because it's from a very low margin business, suddenly you are getting into a luxury business, margin is is very comfortable. But I wanted to dive in a little more about the value proposition for all of us as an accountant, the quality (laughs) that we all can learn from, especially through your experience. So what are some of the key behavior and habits or practice that you have? over the years that you've developed, or you may have observed some of the other leaders as well that has contributed to your career success. I think those will be very helpful for our audience. Sure, sure. I think it it's a question of developing some rituals or some like routines that you do a little bit every day and that day after day builds your strength, builds your confidence. So for me, as I mentioned, and as you rightly picked up, it was very key to know that and to stay humble. 
So for me, since the beginning, my key concern is to meet my clients. I'm not a commercial or a salesperson, so my clients are not external. Mainly, it's internal people. So I mean, my managing director, commercial teams, marketing and communication teams. And the key thing is to stay humble in front of them because you don't know their jobs. You don't know exactly what their field is, but... What is key that you have this mindset of asking what they need, what is their pain point and how you can help them. So for me, one of my rituals would be to engage with people every day, engage with new team members every day. For instance, here in China, whenever possible, I have some in connections with other departments, have other lunch or coffee moments, then try to engage with them to know daily work and by talking with them and having these maybe informal conversations, you know a lot about the business and better how to help them. And they will provide information to you as well to make your job even more efficient. Another ritual I think I have is about questioning, why is it like this? Don't take for granted that the historical way of doing things is the best. Maybe it used to be the best, but things are changing and now even more and more quickly. So Assuming that the past way of doing things is still the best, is, I think is wrong. Let's question every day about why do we do like this? Why couldn't we do it another way? Why? So at the beginning, some people, they might feel a bit concerned. Why are you challenging me? Why are you asking so many questions? They might feel uncertain. But when they understand that you ask the why, it's not challenging them, but to bring up more relevant questions, then they will more happily come into your conversation with you and try to answer this, themselves the question why. So I think that that's those two areas, meeting your clients and with a humble attitude, ask them the questions. That's key for understanding how the things work and how you can better support them as a finance person. Well said. I cannot agree more. These two are very much interconnected as well because when you ask that why, like the five whys or even more whys, you need to have that humble kind of outlook and behavior as well. Therefore, you are able to then connect with all the stakeholders and the routine of engaging everybody. I think it's a wonderful habit. We should all do that. I think a lot of the accounting and finance people do have a tendency. Of course, right now we can't really go into the office per se in most of the places, but in an office environment, most of the accountants tend to just focus on their work and sometimes may overlook a little bit about that human connection and the way that you say it into the having these two habits and do it consciously on a daily basis, I think is a great advice for our audience. Thank you so much for that. Now, we talk about all this behavior, the mindset. I, I wanted to switch gear a little bit to talk about data. Again, we are all traditionally very good with numbers. So data analysis, very complicated Excel spreadsheet and the SAP system, whatever that you have. The access that we have allow us to actually view a much broader strategic view of the business. From your angle, how should our listeners capitalize on those access to data, to analysis, into the development and their career progression as well. Indeed, it's key. There are more and more tools available out there. And as key partner to the business, we need to keep on learning skills and developing our own talent and competencies. So we cannot put that aside and forget about it because we need to always be updated at the state of the art on all those visualization tools, simulation, etc. So this is key that we keep that in mind. I think it's part of our daily job to 
keep on training ourselves. So we need to dedicate some time during the week, maybe a few hours a week or a few days per month, whatever is more suitable to take the time to train ourselves. Because sometimes company may provide, sometimes may not provide, but still we have to do it. It's our own responsibility to take our own development and training. Now, the other thing I wanted to say about data is as with the experience, it's key that we develop our own intuition about data because data, you will be able to crunch numbers, have so many private tables, clouds, etc. But what is key is in the end, you need still to challenge the results and to be able to have a sense of if the data is correct or not, because sometimes whenever you crunch, sometimes the formula is wrong. And if you don't have any sense of what you're expecting or what direction you're looking at, then you can come up with something totally wrong. So my key learning here is that you should always have a a sense check and trust your intuition about the data. You should have, by knowing your business, by knowing the trends, by knowing the evolutions of the market, then you should know what the data should be or sense what you're expecting and then be able to test it if it's the right direction or not. I I do like this very unique but very powerful piece of advice about intuitions. You're absolutely right because sometimes the data is as good as it is, but human intelligence at this juncture cannot be fully replaced with either machines or data. So thank you for that intuition advice. Definitely one of the biggest takeaways for me. So now we are still very much in the midst of COVID-19 pandemic. What are your priorities over the next 12 months and what sort of actions are you taking to achieve those? My priorities is the people, my staff. Last year, I have the feeling I have been running after the train, trying to catch up with the running forecast we had to do, the new requirements that we had to face coming from the group, asking more reporting, more visibility on the business in a context that is even more uncertain, even more volatile. So means a lot of scenarios, a lot of simulations, rounds and rounds of numbers. So I have the feeling that we've been trying to catch up the train. And this year, now that the train is there for me i need to develop my team now so need to spend time with training them onboarding them because i have new joiners coming recently to exactly pick up those new tasks and new scope that the situation and the pandemic situation put on us as a new requirements for fpnat develop my team meaning i need to be able to provide them with the right training with the right inspiration as well so We have been through difficult times and it's not over. So I need to be the leader that inspired my team to go beyond and continue whatever is coming at us again and again. So for me, it will be a lot about coaching, helping them to know what they are good at and encouraging them in developing their own skills and competencies to face the future of the business and the future of FP&A function as a new set of skills and competencies are required from us. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for putting people first, Cecile. I, I think that's what true leadership is about. And just on that note, maybe let's get our audience to know you a little more as well as who you are as a person. Fun questions about you. If you were to look at your past career, what is the one best piece of advice that you've ever received? And how did that advice actually help you? I think the best piece of advice and the most inspiring one is 
be prepared. When I look at the athletes, when I look at the artists, musicians, all those people that are very inspiring, it's not only about talent. It's not only about luck. It's all about the hard practice they are doing every day, every day, every day. It's about practice and preparation. Nothing comes as a surprise. And when you need to face situation, whatever is coming, you need to be prepared. So you cannot sometimes be prepared at what's coming, but you need to be prepared of the possibility of what might be coming. So just keeping in mind the fact that you need to work on yourself and try to anticipate on what the things that may be coming or rehearse your presentation or prepare your numbers or exactly define where you want to organize the meeting. Everything is about thinking ahead, looking ahead where you want to go before you actually go to that meeting or meet that person or take that action. So always be prepared and look ahead. Yep. Well said. This is saying fortune favor the bows. I think it's not just the bows. It's the one that's prepared. I am totally with you on this. So thank you for that piece of advice. Now, something a little different. You're right now living in China. As a foreigner, you've been living in different parts of the world as well. Is there any, some sort of misconceptions about you as who you are when people look at you? I think this is very interesting. Yes, I'm very happy to share with you because I think it might be inspiring for many of us. It is true that as a finance person arriving in China from the headquarters, people here in China were thinking I'm a finance person, so I'm a, only a thinker. I'm very cold, looking at numbers, taking decisions. But that's a very big misconception about myself. I am also a feeler. And I think that's why I'm good at what I'm doing, because I can have this rational thinking, but I also have this link with the people, the connection with the people, the empathy, the compassion, and the care for the people that really bring numbers and relationship together to make the best out of it and provide the best piece of advice to my stakeholders and my business partners. So it is a misconception that finance people should be only thinking oriented or rational oriented. They would be all the more efficient and best business partner if they open up a little bit to their feelings, to their intuition and to their emotion to have this additional layer of empathy and compassion with their business partner to make it more relevant to them. Okay, I love this misconceptions that you've got from people because sometimes I've gotten the same thing. Again, totally with you on this. As a good leader, not just a FPNA leader or whatever we do in life, that element of compassion, the element of empathy is so important. Again, there's only so much data and numbers can tell us, can guide our decision, but ultimately we are all dealing with human beings. So that emotion, that feelings will drive either the adoption or the effectiveness of whatever that we all decide. I think COVID-19 changed that as well. People really look into what a good leadership should look like. Is exactly to all this that you described earlier about you putting your people as a first priority over the next 12 months as well. Thank you so much for that. And it has been a wonderful conversation, Cecile. I've really enjoyed it. And, and the advice that you've given are quite different from some of the guest mentor that we have on the show as well. I'm very sure a lot of our audience wanted to continue to have that conversation with you to understand, to hear a little more about your story. It is indeed very inspiring, the choices that you make throughout your career and some of the advice that you have taken and also the habits that you have developed as well. So in case our listeners want to get in touch with you, what will be the best way for them to get in touch with you? 
Sure, absolutely. It would be my pleasure to continue the conversation after the show. So please don't hesitate to reach out on LinkedIn. I think it would be the easiest platform to reach out. So Cecil is my LinkedIn. Okay, yes, we will have that posted on the show notes as well. So again, thank you so much, Cecil, for joining us today. Have a very good and safe day. Take care. Thank you. It was my pleasure to be here today with you, Weijian, and with all of our listeners. Thank you very much. Thank you. So there you have it. Hope you enjoyed the show today. If you'd like to know more of our guest mentor today, their bio and resources, you can find all that at sitnshow.com. You will also get access to early show blog. Also for subscription to our newsletter for activities and resources that are going to help you continue to build your strength and capabilities along the journey of finance and accounting. And just before you go, we really appreciate your feedback and suggestion. Or if there's a guest mentor that you'd like to hear on the show, drop me a message on LinkedIn. I would love to connect and hear from you. Let us keep building our strength in the numbers while growing a finance community that contributes positively to the society.